gosh, I, would, I forgot I even had that in my pack. Yeah, that's an example of sport, man. I, if Joe flicked my ear, I'd, I'd probably come in the forehead. What's going on, everybody? We are back in the studio. We got the Jesus of meats here. <laughs> uh, Meet Jesus. Yeah. So Lucas, I, right? That's right. Well, how long, <laughs> how long ago did you, did you buy it? What, what, uh, you know, what, like, did you wake up one day like, I'm going to buy a, a meat processing factory? Like, what, what happened with all that? Dude, the whole, the whole thing was dumb luck, really. I mean, um, got out of college, kind of looking for what's next in life and um, stumbled across the sale of a wild game butcher shop, right? Um, you know, grew up hunting in New Mexico. It's where I'm from originally and um, kind of started cutting my own meat in college and um, it just fit. So um, kind of explored it more and um, now we're in way in over our heads with cutting up a whole lot of elk. So um, yeah, about 18 months ago, we closed on it. So this is our second full game season at the meat cleaver and it's been a wild ride the past year or so. I, I bet. Um, I, uh, I try to give you as much job security as possible. Um, uh, I don't know how many animals I brought in there last year, but I'm pretty sure I put your soon to be future kid in college. Uh, <laughs> yeah, college. you paid off his college loans. Well, yeah. <laughs> w- whenever I see your truck rolling up, it's like Noah's Ark, man. You never know what's going to come off of it. Yeah. The last go around was pretty crazy, but I think, um, you know, when I say I think um, I, I should stop saying um, when when people bring game to a, a meat processor, there's always in the case of like um, there's the the rumor, whether it's true or not. Are they giving you back the meat that you turned in? I can say for a fact I have gotten I have turned some rank, nasty, rotted up mule deer in and got some very fine, probably <laughs> Joe Whitetail back. Cause I'm like, yeah, I didn't turn this in. This tastes way too good. You guys are really, I mean, I've seen how your operation works and everything else, but when, when people bring, um, whether it's deboned, quartered, full body, what are some of the things you're hoping that they do to help preserve the meat? They don't lose any things like that. Like kind of just go through some, some quick tips to help people not screw anything up. Yeah. Right. I mean, if we just take a look at some basic meat care, right? Like what, what's the end goal? Um, a, a good edible product. Um, and that kind of takes a team, right? You got the hunter in the field, you got the processor back in town, and you got the cook in the kitchen, right? So um, it really does take all three of those parties to really, you know, make a great end product. Um, I think from the hunter side, like what you're talking about in the field is, hey, big, big points, right? Get it cooled off as quick as you can, um, keep it as clean as you can, um, and cool and dry, right? Like if you hit those three things, you're probably pretty good. While we're talking about that, um, let's, Frank, you and I, um, how we do that in the field, if that's cool. Yeah, so that's perfect. One of the things that I like to do when applicable is if the flies and things aren't bad, I'll hang it on tree limbs. I'll put it on clean rocks, on uh, logs with no bark to let the airflow get to it, to cool it down. Um, and, and I want to make sure, again, I'm, I'm letting it cool down on areas that... Um, you don't want moss and dirt. It makes your life a living hell, for one, the processor. Uh, and two, you're not going to get all of it. No matter how hard you try, there's going to be some left for when you process it. And uh, when I say that, meaning some, some you may have a rock or some moss in your food if you don't take good care of it. These guys are going to do their best, but no one's perfect. Frank, what, do you, what are some of the things I, you do? I think it starts when you, when you first start. Uh, skinning the animal or start cutting into it. I think we, we were given Isaac shit the other day when he was here because when he was working on his caribou, he's, he was cutting the hide from the outside. He was, he was going, he was cutting the hair basically. Yeah, hair end. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's hair. where it all starts is the hair. So you got to get underneath that hide and, and when you're skinning. And for me, I, I always just try to take my time. I mean, a lot of sometimes weather's coming in, you don't have a, a bunch of time to, t- to take, but um, I don't know. I'm, try to be pretty diligent but like you're saying you know hang it up let it cool if you can debone it if you're in an area where they allow deboning i think some spots in alaska they don't allow it but that meat gets pretty hot if it stays on the bone or it can stay hot yep and we won't go into too much more detail on this but frank uh brought up a good point that there is you should come up with your own system uh you know with with my system i actually make a cut uh straight up from 
in front of the rear quarter and straight up behind the front quarter. Um, this is when I'm deboning gutless method. Uh, and then when, when I do that, I'm making those cuts before I start to pull the hide off. So I don't have to worry about any hair that I might cut getting on the animal. And then that way, when I'm peeling away, um, I'm doing one side of the animal. I take care of that completely. You know, I can take care of the front quarter, the rear quarter, the tenderloin and the back strap and then roll it. So I don't ever have to worry about the entire animal being caped, rolling around in dirt. Um, a lot of people, maybe if they come from whitetail hunting where they hang it, totally cape it and then work on it. That shit does not work on a shale slope on the side of a mountain. No, sir. How bad are some of the, what's the worst you've seen? Maybe the top five where people brought something in and you're like, did you purposely roll that off? How bad have you seen it? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you like even this season, um, this season hasn't been too bad. I think we've turned away one animal. Um, it was a moose in game bags, deboned and like green slime, just like oozing out of the game bags. Oh my God. It's like, dude, we cannot have that in the shop. <laughs> yeah. Like not even close. They just um, let it rot. Just oh man, he had it in like big, like, you know, kind of 50 gallon Tupperware yeah. things, just a little bit of ice. Like, well, I, I want to touch on two things, right? Aaron, you said, um, airflow, um, and Frank, you said deboned, right? It, it's all a game of surface area when you're cooling down. Right. Um, if you debone it, great. Don't throw a hundred pounds of meat in a game bag and make a big old meat sock out of it, right? Like everything in the middle is hot. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and meat's a great insulator. There's right? multiple podcasts we've done if you want to hear more in depth about this. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, meat's a great insulator, right? It it keeps heat. Elk don't get cold very quick. And that's the same thing in a game bag or on the hoof, right? So um yeah, keep that airflow up, spread it out the best you can and I'm really going to kick myself in the butt saying this, but man, I'd rather have dirty meat than spoiled meat. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, you can do something yeah, about you can pine needles, off, right? Yeah. yeah. But you can't do anything about rot. So, um, yeah, biggest, biggest thing is dropping that heat, keeping it cool and well, so getting it on some ice. Before, um, I, I say how I handled the Buffalo cause it was hot as shit. How much meat did I lose off of that? The way that I did it? Oh gosh. Um, take a look at your invoice you know it, it looked great right um you know you guys deboned all of it brought it in and coolers that came up from texas so you guys had a long drive um but i mean i would say we had a 90 95 percent yield i mean that 95 some... is what it seemed like from what we got back oh yeah which was you know and people make listen to this uh and say oh that's unacceptable but we set it straight in ice we let it we let it drain and so we did layers one layer of meat, ice, one layer of meat, ice, one layer of meat. That, that loss is that small outer amount that may have gotten water on it that you guys have to potentially take off. Yeah, sometimes things get a little waterlogged yep. and it just drains it. It's real pale, kind of, you know, just um, right, kind of watered down, um, you know, floating. Kind of gets gray. Yeah, yep. it kind of yep. gets gray and nasty, but, uh, you know, we'll trim out big tendons and, you know, like the, a thick silver skin over the loins and a few different things like that but you know uh, overall right you're not losing any bone weight you're just doing a little bit of trimming here and there and how much would you say the way that we did it was a good way an okay way and with the situation you know we were dealt with what what should i have done different and you're not going to hurt my feelings that was the best option we had totally. i'm not saying there's another better one that's just what we Wanted it, what figured we do? And I thought, well, there was 685 pounds. I think we turned in. If I lose 20 pounds, so you know, some it. of that's tendon, some of it's yeah. aging, like, uh, you know, letting it sit in there. But what, what could I have done different? Yeah. I think the only thing I would suggest is using dry ice, not wet ice. Yep. And that's not really an option where I'm at, but yeah, like small town Texas, right? Like, not everyone has dry ice around. You know what we probably could have found down there is cocaine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're on how does that work for meat? Uh, just rub it well, on the it makes, outside. No matter how bad, it, how bad, how good or bad it tastes, it probably all tastes the same. <laughs> it's a great dry rub. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk about dry ice because that's something I never talk about and is an option in certain areas, like rural areas, whitetail hunting. That, that's an option. Totally. Van Horn, Texas. 
Not often. No, but, not a lot. But you're right. It, Scotty brought that up. He's like, he goes, God dang, if we had dry ice. And I'm like, well, we don't. So go buy 40 bags of ice. That's what it took was 40 bags. Yeah, I believe it yeah. too. But go ahead. What, what, I dry ice, the bonus is that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with dry ice uh, folks just need to keep their eyes up for is freezer burning meat, right? If you have that dry ice directly on product, um, you are going to lose some meat to freezer burn. Um, a little bit of cardboard fixes that problem super easy right um but yeah just kind of keep your eyes up for a little little freezer burn and freezer burnt meat is food safe it just doesn't taste good and that's something folks get a little confused about but so with the freezer burnt um one of the things that that um i suggest to people is make it into a, a roast if it's let's say a freezer burnt steak is, yeah. you know it's still gonna put enough seasoning on it's still gonna taste good but oh yeah but you or take it in to regrind it. In fact, you you ground up some freezer burnt crap of mine last year. Yeah, um, definitely. And uh, when I say freezer burnt, it's not like it's green or pussy. It's just freezer burnt. So for me, I don't mind. I just make it into burger. I can't tell the difference in in burger. Is that a am I feeding people shit? Or no, is I that think <laughs> I think that's a that's a fair assessment. It really is. You know, um, hey, nothing like you can't trim off, right? Like. Take it out of the freezer. Corners are a little freezer burnt. Hey, just get your bone and knife out and trim it up a little bit. And and you're right. Even just going back and regrinding it, um, it's nothing. A little pork fat mixed in there can't can't fix it. Bacon nice. heals yeah. everything. Yeah, seriously, bacon <laughs> fixes everything. So, um, one of the things that while we're talking like with the ice in the chest where we layered it, let it drain. Um, you know, we we angled the coolers a little bit, obviously, so it drained freely. Um, the same principle Frank and I do in the back country. We talked about this a little bit. When you throw everything in a game bag, everything in the middle is warm. If you cannot lay it out to let it cool, you need to make sure and rotate the meat in the game bag frequently and get it into a corridor that's cooler than just hanging it in the sun. And if it's cold at night, you're golden. Um, first night, if you want to be sure, let the outer areas crust over, um, which is a good thing. And then next morning, rotate it out. And then that night, you know, that outer meat that cooled down is now inner and it's cooling from the inside out. It seems common sense. It's the same way with a cooler. You just wad 400 pounds of meat in a cooler and throw ice on top. Is that going to work? No, it's not going <laughs> to cool off, right? Like, um, and I like what you well, said cool off about- off the top part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like what you said about that shell there, right? Like- using that shell to your advantage. I think guys like sometimes don't want to unpack their meat and fiddle around with it because the outside does dry out. Um, but I would really take that as an advantage because um, that like outer shell will help protect from, you know, dirt and shenanigans just getting on there. And it's a real quick trim up. Really, you're not losing much by letting that shell dry out and develop there. And if you're keeping it cool and rotating it, hopefully all your meat has some shell on it at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked a little bit about that. So go, kind of keep going into depth when we go down, kind of stair stepping. Um, you know, we talked about keeping it cool and clean, things like that. Go Do you guys there. have a lot of problems with antelope? I feel like a lot of people hate antelope meat, and I always think it comes down to the to the meat care because typically, at least in archery season, you're hunting antelope and it's a hundred degrees outside. Um, I feel like they don't get the hide off quick enough or. God, he went on a whole tirade about that. Dumb motherfuckers throwing them in the back of the truck. Antelope don't taste good. Well, dumb shit. I mean, he he gets, <laughs> we try not to waste any meat. Yeah. I, would you say, he, I would say hogs are the same way. You know, shoot three hogs, throw them in the back of the truck. Seven hours later and a 12 pack into it. They yeah. Cut, yeah, it's probably not going to taste very good. So yeah, sure. antelope wise, what do you suggest for people to do? Um I kind of, I'll say, I'll go over what you go first. I'll go over kind of what I do, what I suggest. And then Scotty had some cool tidbits too. Uh, but what, what, what would you say for people to do? Yeah. Great question. 100, 104 degrees and yeah. they shoot it at noon. I think the good thing is, um, and I'm generalizing here, right? Typically when you're goat hunting, there's um, no backpack goat hunts. Yeah. No, you're, <laughs> you're going to be close to the truck, right? Like, Hey, have 30 pounds of dry ice, like sitting in your truck Yeah. at tops. You're going to be an hour away from it. Right. Yeah. Um, cutting meat um, from a whole animal is always a lot easier than cutting quarters or cutting deboned, right? So 
I know a lot of guys don't want to break up their pronghorn in the field, but go ahead and do it. Like, hey, if you can get the skin off as quick as you can, get it back to the truck on ice as quick as you can, it doesn't matter how hot it is, right? If you're in a two hour window from that animal being alive to being on ice, like it doesn't matter how hot it is, it's going to treat you well. Um, but yeah, definitely like drop the skin as quick as you can and just quarter it up real quick. Like don't drag your goat through the dirt for a mile and a half back <laughs> to the truck, you know. And, and antelope, most humans can pack it whole gutted for the amount it would oh, take totally. to get to the truck. Yeah. Now, there's going to be people listening in with some crazy adventurous antelope story, how far away they I get, I get it. You know, they're, they're not all by the road. But the one thing that uh, Scotty and I do down there and with same thing when it's hotter in some of the other areas uh, dump the guts out and we fill the body cavity with bags of ice. Yeah, um, that's perfect. And it may be a contractor bag that we've we've taken from an ice machine and just wedge it in there. If it's super hot, we'll split down the back strap, peel that open just a little bit. We take a blue tarp and kind of just set it nice with the body cavity full, depending upon the drive back. Not the end of the world uh, to, to not probably split it down the spine because it's not that long to get back to where you're going. Yeah. Uh, we get straight back and we Skin it out immediately, um, order it up, and throw it in the cooler. What a lot of guys have done, I see, is with the guts in it, they drive the truck and throw it in the back of the truck. You got to get the guts out quick, like real quick. Um, I would say if you have a cooler with you, which you should if you're antelope hunting, um, have two or three bags of ice in the cooler. That goes in the body cavity. These things, to me, obviously, I take like wiping my butt. It's second nature, right? I just know to do that, but... You can fit an entire antelope in a Yeti 210 because that's where mine went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we literally put the body cavity, uh, you know, put ice in the body cavity, wedged it in there, cocked the head back, put a couple bags on top of it, hauled ass back to the meat pole, hung it up, and, and scun it out. Um, I have, maybe I haven't hunted enough. I've had people tell me I'm wrong with meat care, but there's always an option. And if you have, have you ever talked to like people with, they're asking for maybe dieting and fitness advice. And I'm like, Hey, have you walked on a treadmill? My knees are bad. Have you gotten a pool? Ah, I hate water. <laughs> Excuses. Well, yeah. just keel over and die. I don't fucking tell you. Right. I, I can only come up with so much shit with the meat care. There is always options if you prepare for it. Absolutely. To, to me. And, and there may be, I get it, Arizona, you kill a bull, whatever, but a, a if you are prepared, you should never lose any meat if if you have common sense. And I, Frank, Lucas, you guys want to dive in on this? I'm sounding like a total dick. I just have people give me excuses why they lost meat. And I'm like, no, you're a fucking idiot. That's why you lost the meat. No, that's that's right on cue. Luke is much nicer than me, by the way, but go well, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right on cue. I, I think the only thing I would add to your pronghorn prep is – um splitting those hindquarters apart a little bit, getting a bone saw, breaking that H-bone open so, a little bit. Scotty is very good at that. We just take a hatchet. He yeah, just, just wax it bone. once, pops it, and then he takes a bag of ice and wedges it in the crotch. Dude, those little pronghorn, you can split them with your boot heel if you yeah. have a little thick to you. Um, Frank's Mexican. He's always got a knife. <laughs> there you go. And with splitting the pelvis, talk a little bit about um, – I broke two hatchet handles spinning, splitting the pelvis with buffalo. Um, that's a little bit different. Oh, I believe it. You can take a Bowie knife, get in the where the piss bag and everything is yep. to ki kind of cantilever it or use it as a fulcrum and just rip it right open. Yeah. When people do that, I've had guys worry about the piss bag um, when, they're, when they're gutting it out. So for, for me, when I'm gutting one out, um, if you spill the, the piss bag, let's say, I've had guys think they've ruined the entire quarter because pee got on it. And I'm like, well, just wash it off. It's, it's pee for one. And two, you can take a 16th of an inch off of that meat and it's- There it is. That's yeah. it. And so we spilled the, piss, the buffalo piss bag, by the way, is about the size of Frank's head. It's big. Oh, I believe and it. I, 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 I totally fucked it up and I, <laughs> I, I was trying to get it out and blew it up. Well- if you're good about it and you haven't cut the hide way back, it's just getting on the, the hide. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's just common sense stuff. What about when people like guts blow the – I've had some weird messages. Um, that forky kind of coal buck I shot, like super quartering, went up 
just in front of the rear quarter, just wrung the guts out, lungs and everything. I had guys tell me, well, my dad said, if you do that, all the meat's wasted. And I'm like, all of it, <laughs> all of it. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of fucking wives tale your dad's telling, but the whole body is, it's, it's, it, 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 it's uh, encapsulated. Like, yeah. It didn't touch anything. Is, is like, your is your neck meat ruined because yeah. you popped your guts, right? You know? Tenderloins, potentially, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. So, but I, I even those, if you kind of pay attention or whatever, it, depending upon a situation, you can clean them and trim them and you still get something out of it. I don't know if it's the thought that the bloodstream is pumping bile through the meat, but it's like, guys, you just dump the guts out. It's... When you pump the punch the gut bag when you're gutting it, same thing basically. Touch on some of those things that maybe wives' tales that uh, people come up with. Yeah, you you hit on a really like important cultural aspect of of hunting, right? Like, hey, it is generational. Um, it is like um, a people of story um, and community, right? But the bad part is sometimes folks get lost in their own little echo chambers a little bit, right? So things that might not be practical, might get passed down, you know, generation. Like you said, like, oh, antelope meat's the worst, you know, yeah. you can't eat, you know, uh, goat, right? Like it's, it's terrible. But hey, it's great. You know, if you take care of it and you cook it well and you're thoughtful about it, it's not going to cook like a beef ribeye, yeah. um, but it's going to cook like something else. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of it, right? Each animal is kind of unique, but um, no, I think you're Our right. dad is unique. Don't oh yeah. <laughs> no, you're totally right. I've I've eaten one odd ad and it, it took us a little while to. It's good for burger. That's right. It, yeah, that's right. Um, anything's good in summer sausage, right? Yeah. Um, no, you're totally right. I think you know. I mean, no one's doing research on like wild game food quality. Yeah. You know, um, it's not um, these animals aren't bred to eat, right? Um, like a beef or a pork is. Yeah, so. They just sit around and get fatter. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like. As we were talking about that, Scotty had brought up a good point because he's a cattle rancher. Um, you and I, Frank, would be horrible cattle. <laughs> so with cattle, it's how much you can feed them to how fat they get. Yep. So Scotty would be a great cow from as he told me because he gets fat easy. Uh, if your metabolism's high, you're a horrible cow. Um, when you talk about that and, and what you said made me think about this because Scotty's a funny little fucker was – it's no different than beef in the sense of different beef tastes differently. Different, different types of cattle taste differently. Um, I will say like with Audad, you probably don't want to make it into steak. It sucks. Yeah. Like people ask, how's it eat? And I'm like, it's tougher than shit. It's horrible. It doesn't taste bad. It's just tough. So you just throw them out and I'm like, no, we just make burger out of the whole fucking thing. Or sausage, pepperoni sticks, whatever. Have you seen a meat that a pepperoni stick makes a pepperoni stick taste bad? Oh, you could put anything in there and it'll be good, right? Yeah, and same thing like when when people look at different cuts of meat, they all are good for something. Um, and, and I try not to jump around here too much, but the, the generational thing like you talked about, how many of the t wives' tales have you heard you got to cut the scent gland off the back of the deer or the meat's ruined? Have you heard that one? Oh, absolutely. I, I I've heard a, some shit. So yeah. I like, go yeah. ahead. Like some of the other ones you've heard. Hey, whatever it is, just take the skin off, get it cool <laughs> and bring it down to the meat cleaver. Right? Like we'll figure it out for you guys. I think, um, yeah, gut shots, guys are always real worried about that. Um, which to an extent they should be, um, do your best to wash it off in the field, right? Like you got a gallon of water sitting in the truck, man, start dousing that thing and getting it cleaned off a little bit. Um, yeah, scent glands, um, guys are always real particular about, um, what kills me is like a guy talking about scent glands brings his deer in with the skin on yeah. kind of mentality. Well, it's, you know, Hey, if, if that's something that's, that's very important to you, well, put the time in, in the field to take care of the meat, the way that, um, kind of you've been taught and you and your family have honored and, and doing that. Right. But, um, if you're going to bring it into the shop, we're going to take the skin off spray it down and get it in the cooler. You know, that's how, that's how we're going to do it. Gotcha. Frank, do you, have you, and again, I'm sure I'm coming off as a pecker head on this podcast because I'm cynical and I hear too many crazy stories and worry about people wasting meat, but you said it the best, get the guts out, get the hide off, get it cool. Pretty much yep, home free. That's, that's it. it man. Um, and let's say worst case, worst situations, well, worst case scenario situations. 
Um, Frank, pick your top two. I really don't want to have to deal with this with an animal on the ground situations, I- excluding heat, because heat heat is easy and hard. Heat is you got to get it cool, but um, terrain uh, dies in a swamp. Yeah, probably a lot of Alaskan dudes dealing with that. Moose, Moose yeah. dying in swamp. Brown bears dying in a river or something. Yeah. The the next one I would probably say is um, uh, kind of shale scree, uh, forty degree slope. Um, again, pre pre prep, you're so excited and you want to get photos and you want to get whatever. Um, man, we'll build a platform. Um, when I say meaning we'll build a platform, we'll take shale and build it up to a point where it's kind of a dam. Like, uh, and then we find big pieces of shale. Now it may look like a grenade went off because there's chunks of meat on all these different pieces of shale. Yeah. But it's to get it cool, generally above 13, 12,000. Know, there's no bugs, yeah. right? So you might have a spider run across it or something. But if you pre-prep and, again, stop, assess, make Lucas's life easier, I've seen some shit when it comes to sheep and, an- or sheep and mountain goat where I'm like, what, did you just roll all the meat down the mountain? Like, again, I get the situation. I've been there. And, and, but you learn. And to, to me, I will say the goat we shot yesterday died on the – Lord's largest cutting table. It died on a, <laughs> it was the size of this bra, this, this <laughs> That's desk. perfect. Dude, I was like, you couldn't have designed this better. It didn't fall off of it. <laughs> and we, we had this huge platform to work on. But if it was over 150 yards, it was boulders and some shale and the normal shit you see above tree line. It, all you have to do is stop, look around, figure out the best places to go. And you may have to, Frank may have me shuttle meat over to other places that are cleaner to let, to, to let it dry and cool off. Oh yeah. It makes your meat, it's, it <laughs> makes your meat good. <laughs> Long-term it's for the greater good of your consumption of that food, that meat later on. You just have to kind of look and assess what you've gotten. Oh yeah. Deal with what you got, well, you know, work the best. Let's take those one at a time, right? Like something dying in water, use the gutless method. Yeah. Right. You know, hey, I'd love to have some water around every time I shoot a bull. Clean, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, come on, you can clean stuff off and yeah. again, get it cooled down real quick and hang it up in a tree. That's awesome. Um, and man, the so, amount of meat that can be saved if guys just like bring a little tarp. I mean, like even the rain fly on your tent, man, just flick that thing out, let, throw your meat on there. Let's talk about the gutless method because this was something I was surprised. Scotty learned the same way you and I have. We debone when applicable on the quarter. We don't, we don't pop the rear quarter off. If you don't just start cutting chunks of meat off of it, right? When you get the meat for that I turn in, do you have a fairly good idea when I've deboned what chunks they are, even though they're not labeled? Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, gunned our head, we could reassemble an animal if you deboned it, right? Deboned it correctly. Correctly. Yeah. Yes. And even incorrectly, you got to kind of get creative sometimes, but. You might be able to do that. I, I would give <laughs> <Yeah>. up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but can yeah. You, can you talk about, about that though? Because. Like how to debone? Well, not just debone. Uh, Frank and I will go over the gutless method. What I have trouble, I don't know the terms. I just follow the muscle lines. And you can peel them apart with your hand. You cut that yep. out or a little, what is it, lath or sinew or whatever the hell it is. Yep. And then you just kind of pull it up and then slice, pull it up, and you're, you're taking apart muscle group by muscle group. When I turn it into you, I hope, well, you should be able to figure out what the hell I did here. No, that, that's perfect. I mean, if you're taking a look at just a hind quarter, right? I mean, you can get a little more technical with it, right? You'll have your top round, your bottom round, your eye of round, sirloin top, sirloin tip, uh, your heel. I don't think I'm forgetting any of them. Um, but right, every four-legged animal is pretty much built the same. But you're exactly right. Don't cut through red meat, right? Cut between bone and meat and cut the sinew between meat. Um, and you'll end up having six or eight pieces deboned that um, you really can't see any red on, right? Like nothing is cut through. Um, you Unless just you're in a hurry these, and I fuck up. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I mean, that buffalo we had it hanging from a backo. Yep. There's like 19 layers of meat on a. Co- I mean, it's insane. Oh yeah. But if you take your time, and I get there's times that you can't take your time as much as they're doing that. Um, to me, when you lay it out, whatever. 
one of the things that I always assumed made it easier for you guys is separating it in the game bag per rear quarter and per front quarter. Does that help you at all or hurt you? You know, we see meat come in in so many different ways, shapes, and forms. <laughs> I mean, if you just were to cut up an animal with a bandsaw in 15 different ways, we could put it all back together and figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's super practical. Um, it's probably good for, you know, you as well if you're processing at home, right? Um, cutting up your meat on the table in the garage. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good first step, definitely. Um, Frank, why don't you go over the gutless method, um, kind of what you do, because uh, we do it the same way, um, and where that's beneficial, let's say, for a moose laying in a, in a swamp um, and, and boning off the quarter. Uh, the rear quarter without pulling the rear quarter off. Yeah, I think kind of like you said, I like um, to do that that same cut in the hide where you're talking about behind the front quarter and in front of the uh, rear quarter and kind of peel that down so you have a clean surface where you're not getting meat on each quarter. And basically, I mean, same thing like you said, you know, skin out the front quarter. I usually cut it off um, most of the time and then I'll debone it from there. And then uh, if it's a bigger animal like an elk, I like to debone the rear quarter. While it's still attached, if it's a deer, usually they'll cut it off. But I always, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of times, at least, at least in the earlier part of the season, I always have trouble getting that rear quarter off anyway, that, that ball <laughs> joint right there. Oh, yeah. So you have to be really careful. Otherwise, you'll be poking the guts, and then you have a little mini explosion, um, which is always pretty fun to watch other people do. <laughs> well, I think a few kind of hot tips on that hind quarter. You know, um, if you are deboning a hind quarter, and if you have – if if you have the setup for it, hang up your hindquarter and then debone it. Yeah, I know that's not always practical, but um, it's easier and it helps you learn hugely. later to do it the way we're talking. Yeah, right? and so if you have your hindquarter hanging up by the hawk, right? Um, as you're pulling meat off of it, gravity's going to help you. It's going to be a lot easier to work with. You can kind of spin it around and and play with it and and see all the angles, right? Um, so that that's going to be a really good first step for anyone deboning off the hindquarter. And I think something that I see quite a bit is guys, um, so if you take a look at your hindquarter, right, and let's say one's just sitting on the table here, um, and the hawk is, you know, it's like a big teardrop, right? So um, you have the heel or the hawk on the north end, and the sirloin is at the very bottom, kind of that, that largest um, piece of the teardrop there. When you're taking a hindquarter off, and you go around that ball joint, um, keep going as deep as you can and get that whole sirloin off. That last piece of meat that hangs off the hindquarter there, a lot of guys cut it short. And that's some great meat and great like volume of meat too. I mean, it's not small, especially on a big mule deer or an elk, right? Yeah, I know, I would say so. Um, I, I guess to finish up a couple things with what Frank was saying, um, you know, in, 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 you know, behind the front, in front of the rear. Um, it's also hair is good because you're, you're, you're keeping the other ones covered as you're working yeah. on the one. Um, once you, once you get those off, uh, Frank brought up one of the points I was going to bring up is, uh, you can get a little squirrely on that socket and poke the guts. They are right there. Yeah. And it, it gets bloody right there. Once yeah. You hit that, <laughs> totally. That artery. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is don't panic. Like Amy was going to go out on her own and she's seen us do it and she's killed a bunch of animals. Uh, I'm like, the biggest thing is almost like when someone gets lost and they, their, their thought process just goes to hell. Like they're not, oh my God, you know, and I've seen guys in a spotting scope once just jam knife straight to the guts and reef it down. Like, and I'm like, that's a different technique I haven't seen before. And it may have been their first time they've ever done yeah. it. But I bet if you said, Hey. Do you really want, if you had somebody go down there and be the voice of reason and say, hey, did you ever watch your dad pop the gut bag on purpose? They'd probably be like, no. But again, they're not thinking clearly or assessing what they have around them to work with. Um, is take your time, which would be one of them. Don't panic. It's not running away. You, you took care of that already. Just work on keeping it as clean uh, as you possibly can, not hitting the guts. And if you do hit the guts, the world is not over. You may have to reposition the animal. Um, you know, a lot of times if someone pops them, we might pivot. So it's gravity's working towards us for it to flow on the ground, not flow into the quarter or whatever. Yeah. The next one is like the tenderloin. If the stomach has started to swell up, um, 
one of the things that we'll do is we won't get the, usually I take the tenderloins out one side at a time. If the stomach has swollen up some and it's hard to get the space in there to get the tenderloin out, we'll do the whole body and then I'll just pop the guts at the bottom, lets everything out, grab the tenderloins out. Don't poke the guts by the tenderloin, poke them at the bottom and then it takes the pressure off. And then you can, and because they're totally covered, you can roll that animal however you want. You're not going to get the tenderloin dirty. And then we'll just take the pressure out of the guts once everything's taken care of. Um, you got anything to add? I'll add uh, YouTube's your friend. Yeah, totally. you know, look, look at YouTube before you go hunting. Watch if you, the one if you where the guy pokes the guts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have cell service where you're going, at least review it before you go. I think yeah. that's something that's good to review each season. I, I definitely do it for like skinning coyotes each year. I'll review review youtube and see what i forgot and well, it, it's helpful man there's it, all these tools out here use them it, no it is and, and well, the other thing too is like um uh going to a mountaineering store asking a guy who just climbed everest about maybe some some gear for, for uh mountain goat hunting right that dude's done some shit right he may not have a weapon in his hand but he's climbed k2 and some other i mean he's got a pretty good idea how to live and survive in high altitude ask that's one of the reasons I like Lucas. A lot of other go into and ask them some info. He's a fucking asshole, right? But you, you'll help people. <laughs> so ask your butcher, hey, did I do anything wrong? What could I have done different? And that's one of the things I like most about Meat Cleaver is you guys will throw some tidbits out. Obviously, if you're busy, you can't give them a full-on dissertation. But you can say, hey, man, come back on a Tuesday and we'll give you a few tidbits. Now, I'm not telling anybody to line up at the Meat Cleaver for advice, but when you're turning your animal in, are you cool with that when they say, hey, should I have done anything different? Oh, hugely, right? Like, I mean, really, I am not in the meat business. I'm in people business. Yeah. And I really do. I get to work with the best clients, right? I deal with hunters and I deal with ranchers. Um, I'm really spoiled rotten when it comes to the folks I get to spend every day with. Um, just a good group of guys. Um, and yeah, we love walking folks through. Um, we love answering questions. Honestly, like my favorite clients are the dudes who have never hunted before. Yeah. Like, hey, this is my first animal dropping off. I have no idea what's going on. Like, walk me through it. Yeah. Um, that's always super rewarding. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's good. I will say, because uh, Lucas is uh, looking at me funny as I talk crap about the... I'm going to give you a couple examples of why I have had bad issues there. Um they may not still do this, so I mean, to spirit of these are my three interactions with them. As I say that, have you ever seen Frank or I turn in dirty meat to you? No, sir. Those fuckers charged me for dirty and deboned meat extra before they looked at it because it was dirty. And I'm like, dude, I brought a tarp. That's clean. They charged me anyway. And I'm like, why did I go through all the trouble to keep it clean if you're going to charge me for it? They also don't accept deboned meat at certain times of the year. If you backpack hunt, that's a problem. Um, that irritates me. The other thing is, too, and it's not just a rumor, you don't always get the meat you turned in. And I can tell you that because if I have, I hate to say this, Lucas, but if I have killed a rutted up nasty deer, I'm not taking it to you, Lucas, because I'm probably not going to get it back if I take it to um, <laughs> I get the meat back I turned into you. Yeah. And, uh... I'm sure some people are going to listen to this and have had great luck over there. Keep going. I don't, I'm just saying I've had much better luck with you. And when you talk about you're a people person, when you roll up with a animal that you've just harvested, that you've worked your butt off for, and the people checking in the meat acts like you're, you know, the job security you're giving them, you're an asshole for it. You guys are always super chipper and happy. And when you roll up, they're like, oh, my God, a buffalo. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm turning in meat to a meat processor. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, where you laughed, you were like, ah, we're going to need more rubber bins. Uh, yeah. Or what? you know what I mean? And so, again, that camaraderie and that um, partnership, like you said, uh, is important because you've just had the highlight of your life. You've just taken this animal. The last thing you want is somebody to shit on your dreams when you pull into the processor. You want it to be a good experience all the way around. Oh, absolutely. And right, like we're typically, you know, for the average hunter, right, you know, might shoot a buck a year. I mean, seriously, or a, you know, a bull every two or three years. Yeah. Man, it's the best day of the year going into the processor, right? They are jazzed out of their minds and they want to 
show you pictures and tell you the story and you know just be involved right and um i do like i want people to be involved in the process of of their meat and um kind of the lifeblood of the hunt right yeah, it's part of it i mean Huge it's thing. all part of the the pack out and the the processor it's all yeah uh kind of i don't say rite of passage but kind of um, oh, but very like tradition right like hey we're going down to the processor like that you know we're doing our kind of historic order like it's a super fun and engaging process for guys right it, it, it's part of the hunt yeah oh yeah and and overall i mean you know some guys um you process their own stuff which you know and i get that i i don't have the the, the time personally um or the the patience i don't uh are you in the same boat frank you're shaking your it's pretty head. time consuming yeah, yeah. It, it is amy you know you've become good friends with my wife she was enamored with doing it on her own i think that I came lasted back. like one year I think it lasted like one day. I came back with seven deer and she wanted the whole nine yards. And I'm like, all right. Cause they were, it was cold where I shot them. So I just gutted them. Yeah. Um, I'm like, all right. We scun one out, quartered it. And I'm like, all right, now this is what we do. And I said, and then, you know, and I'm explaining to her, we've got to get the, uh, the sausage, the, the casings. Yeah. And I'm like, do we got to mix in cheese? And she's like, for all of them? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, let's take it to the processor. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> Good call. Now, there's nothing wrong with if you want to do it on your own. It's, it, th there's a learning curve. It's going to take a little time to, to figure it out. It is expensive initially. It may pay for itself in the long term. But what would you say? I already know the price, but what would you say it's going to cost to get a good set uh, from the grinder, the slicer, the whole nine to get kicked off with, with good equipment if you're going to try and do it on your own? Great question. You know, I'd say budget a grand, right? Yeah, 1200 is what I came up with. Yeah, so, something right in that zone. Because yeah. um, you got to get a gun for jerky if you're going to do the burger jerky. Yeah. The casings don't last forever. No, sir. Um, the cleaning stuff, which is important, oh, which yeah. is simple. It seems simple, but you can get some funky shit if you don't clean your, your crap out. I, I would say kind of the biggest things um, for, the, uh, for the garage butcher. Um, buy a grinder, you know, a little three-quarter horsepower, kind of Wesson or whatever. Um, a mixer is going to treat you really well. Um, you can just, you know, go buy one at Cabela's. Um, a good set of boning knives, um, uh, like a six-inch boning knife and like a eight or a 10-inch steak knife. Um, that's really all you need from a knife perspective. Um, what else would I buy? Yeah, I would, if you have the money, some sort of like hydraulic sausage stuffer, it's gonna it's gonna really pay off if you I don't can. think you should get one, you should learn the hard way. <laughs> that hand crank is like splitting firewood. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's a, oh, it is so time consuming and such a mess. Um, but really like uh, it, any sort of stuffer, you can stuff your grind into back bags to seal uh, and maybe a, you know, if, if I was at home doing garage butchering, I would paper wrap. I wouldn't vac seal. Um, I see if if you're doing like an at home vac seal, you, you really need like a big industrial one to really make them last. Those little dinkers that you put on your countertop, they just don't have a lot of punch to them. I would I would do a saran wrap um, with butcher paper over it and then label if I was doing it at home. Um, I think that's going to treat you better long term, and it's just going to be cheaper and less frustrating. Um, and, and when you talk about the more industrial, the, the one thing I take some of these for granted, let's say you're like me and not great at just taking one out of the package, yeah, out of the box each time and yeah. you just dump it all into the freezer. The, the more kind of countertop home ones that it's thin and just dumping it will perforate it and then you get freezer burn. Yeah. Um, for people kind of maybe wondering what you're what you're talking about, the thing is, the thicker the plastic, you need more oomph in the suction. I guess you would say exactly. Like even if you buy like a real thick vac bag, like a five mil, it's still it it's it's all about how it seals and how much pressure it kind of comes under to take all the air out. You're right. Yeah. yeah, and I've learned all of this the hard way. Um, and when I say that, from making stupid mistakes, and and um, one of the uh, the butcher paper saran wrap. Uh, it's not. It's not a bad way. It is. It is time consuming. Uh, it is a little bit more labor intensive. Um, 
and you have more garbage to deal with later on, which yeah. is the end of the world. But um, I just, unless you are really putting a lot of animals down, it's, I just don't know that it's, I understand the concept of people want to do their own stuff. I just haven't found it overly beneficial. Let's say you, you make 30 bucks an hour. What would you say they'd have into processing um, an elk? Just like at home time-wise? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I remember the first elk I cut up. Um, I was working at a taxidermy shop up in Fort Collins, and my boss is a kind of an ex-wild game butcher. And so I sat in his shop um, for, I think, like 8 or 12 hours one Saturday with a buddy. Yeah. There two dudes. Yeah. Um, and we were probably being a little too picky and really taking our time um, just because it was fun, right? Like kind of the first lap around and, and learning how. You're, you're weird. There's nothing fun for me about <laughs> the process. <laughs> no wonder you bought a butcher the, shop. <laughs> the first elk is fun. Okay. The rest of them, not so much, right? Yeah. Well, and going back to just like guys cutting their own meat, and this sounds stupid coming from a guy who runs a wild game butcher shop, right? But I want guys to cut up their meat in their garage. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, my, my goal is for hunters to be good stewards of their food yeah, and good stewards of the animals and the landscape and, um, engaging the process in a, in a thoughtful way. And if that means a guy's cutting up his deer in his garage every fall, great. Um, let us help you out with things like the grind, yeah. you know? I mean, that's super quick and easy for us. It saves folks that's at good. home hours of shoving little cubes into a the, the tabletop eight, grinder. The eight hour thing I would say is real pretty close would you frank processing yeah i'm just thinking uh <clears throat> like when i was younger my dad would you know we're, we'd go come home with a couple deer or a deer and an elk and it'd be like a whole family affair we'd bring over my grandma my grandpa one of my uncles and we'd be it, somebody would be cutting off the animal and someone would be packaging it would be a whole weekend thing yeah. so yeah pretty time and and it i i do agree with 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 lucas um and and frank there is uh, a lot of tradition. Like when I was in Wisconsin, it was kind of a, ta you know, colder than shit up there, you know, however many deer hanging and, you know, X amount of guys would come over and knock it out. They also don't have a butcher there. So that, that's part of it, right? Yeah. But the other thing too, um, as you're doing that, if you start to getting into the specialty meats, you're adding time to the... Yeah, that's when it gets tricky. When I say... <laughs> Yeah, so my buddy tried it for the first time, and all the cheese ended up one one into the casing, and the um, <laughs> meat was on the other because he didn't know what he was doing. I'm like, dude, you got to grind it all together. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm not a professional, but I said this is how I learned. And I was like, I throw in little cubes of cheese, and and then as I'm grinding and try to grind it and mix it, and and I probably did it wrong, but there was some cheese in there. And so what he kind of did was just stuffed it all into the the grinder, and it was just pumping out cheese and meat because he yeah. was trying to do it one at a time. And so it looked like, um, like a zebra, There'd be yeah. a little cheese, little meat, little cheese. It, it takes time. Like, like deboning, right? Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta work on it. Um, you, you can master it. I mean, obviously you can, it's just, if you're living in an apartment, you're probably not going to want to do that. Right. Yeah. Because it takes a garage, um, pretty easily with everything that you need. And I remember trying to do one in my apartment, and you talk about a shit show, right? I lived in a one-bedroom apartment. There's meat out on the couch, and I mean, it was just a pain <laughs> in the butt. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm not trying to discourage guys one way or another. But I am saying, know what you're getting into because it, it is time-consuming. It does cost, and then you you need space. Uh, well, hey, it's like it. right. We're hunting, guys. The last thing we need is another excuse to spend a whole bunch of money on gear, drink beer, and fill <laughs> around like in the garage, right? I mean. Hey, and if that's what meat processing is for you, like, good on you. Like, yeah. that's awesome, you know? Um, like, enjoy it, love it, and own it. Seriously. I, I, I do think if you've got a house, and a, everyone should get a grinder. And the reason why I say that is um, there are times that you, um, like a roast, it's not a horrible thing for you to grind up a roast quick if you need burger. And I also say that because we grind up the Aldad, the dogs eat the Aldad mm -hmm. a lot. Um, that there may be times where that grinder may come in, you know, handy. And when I say that, let's say uh, you take the, um, you know, the majority of your animals to a butcher shop um, and you get one antelope that you maybe gut shot, ran the hell out of it. And the meat's probably just not going to be great. Not going to be the end of the world. Just grind all that up. Um, Seriously, yeah. 
the thing is, is when you do that, just, just know you got to make sure if you're just grinding up the meat, there's, it doesn't stick together real good. You're going to want to add some seasoning without the pork fat. You can buy all that, but a, a grinder's not, I don't think, a horrible thing to have. I will say processing too. It's really nice to have a, a, a slicer. Those are expensive. Um, they are handy. What is a slicer now for a good one? 500 bucks? Oh, gosh. Yeah, kind of a high-end garage slicer. At three, four, five hundred bucks, probably. Uh, I don't own one of those. Um, they take a lot of space too, so that's the size of oh, probably twice the size of a laptop computer, I would say. You know, yeah, square about footage, that. and then probably eighteen inches tall, give or take. Um, if you live in an apartment, taking a lot of space up. It's yeah. just how it is. Um, so as kind of as we're talking about this, um. With the the processing, is there anything else you want to touch touch on on the processing portion um, for people bringing it into you? Is there any other tick like tips or things that you would want people to do to make their lives easier before we move on to the next subject? Yeah, um, real quick, back to the slicer. You got something you want to slice, thaw it out, throw it in the freezer for an hour till it firms up, and then just get a sharp knife and slice it as thin as you can. Poor poor man slicer there. Um, keep it cool, keep it dry, get the skin off as quick as you can, um, and come down and have a blast, man. Like we love showing folks around and hanging out at the shop and being a part of the process. So that's about it. And then what's your, generally your turnaround times roughly from beginning of archery season to through rifle? Cause they probably change a little bit. Yeah, they do. Um, we try to sit right at about two weeks. Um, when we're running, um, quick and fast early season, that's probably going to be more like a week when we're running, you know, second combo deer and rifle that's might tip into three weeks. Um, when it's getting a little hot and heavy in the, in the meat cooler there. Gotcha. And then, um, the debone thing, the what you know, so you guys ha- go over what you charge basically, how it works per pound, um, you know what you charge for an animal. I think like on the the bison we did and elk, you do per pound, not per animal. Um, I think on deer and antelope you do per animal, and I can't remember. But go over that. As yeah, well. we we run a flat rate on smaller stuff and a per pound on larger stuff is kind of the idea. Um, we will take any meat in any way, shape, or form, unless it's just raw, right? Um, it can be frozen, it can be deboned, it can be on the bone, it can be skin on, it can be skin off. Um, but whatever folks do at home just to make our lives easier, we love, right? Um, our goal is to serve the hunting community as a whole. Uh, and sometimes one animal can get in the way of that just a little bit. So. <laughs> do you prefer... What do you prefer uh, on like full body where you guys can scun it out in the whole nine or quarter? In a, in a perfect world, every animal that comes in the door is skinned and whole okay. and clean. Um, but you don't like me then, do you? No. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> but right, yeah, that's just, that's just not hunting, right? Yeah. Um, that's just not what it is. But yeah, uh, real quick, kind of just brief pricing, 99 bucks for an antelope. Uh, buck twenty five or one hundred twenty five bucks for any size deer, and then we do a dollar forty nine um, per pound on elk, moose, bison, it, a big animal, right? And so, if you're taking a I've look made at a, a few of your truck payments in the last week, yes, you have. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, the bison bill was uh, actually better than I thought. I think it was right at a grand. Um, that was for the bison and the antelope. Yeah. Um, and the odd dad was in there, no? Yeah, there was some odd yeah. dad in there. We do the same thing. The 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 better cuts of the odd dad, um, we we give to you, and the shitty ones we just grind. Yeah. Um, for the dog, basically. Yeah. Uh, as we're with what we're kind of talking about in your best perfect world, it, it was so make sure people understand this the reason why it's easier for you to have it skinned and whole why is that because i know why but i mean why do you prefer it that way over quartered Uh, a lot of it is just how it's stored in our cooler right you know it running out of rubber bins seriously um, (laughs) it it, (laughs) in our shop it's a vicious cycle of meat hooks and uh, meat lugs um, going from the dock to the cutting room, back to the dock, and just, we'd never have enough. Uh, we bought like 30 more lugs yeah. like a month ago, and they just disappeared into thin air. 
Um, typically, right, guys will bring in four quarters, two back straps, two tenders, and maybe some scrap meat. That, that's, a, that's a standard way to bring an elk in, right? So we'll typically put those four quarters on a meat hook and on a rail and slide it into the cooler there. And then we'll have all the debone stuff um, in a lug and shelf it in the cooler. Um, now we're dealing with maybe like two hooks and a lug that we got to keep track of floating around the shop, um, which we can, and we weigh everything before it goes in. It's tagged and numbered and kind of inventoried of where it is. Um, but, I, I pulled in apologizing with the buffalo. I'm, say. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> for I, that, think, I, I think I think that was like were... 13 lugs we used up on that thing. Yeah. Well, and so obviously you're hanging the whole animal up. Uh, Accountability is easier. Uh, you know, control, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Deboned um, is, um, or excuse me, quartered meat hooks. Uh, deboned is, I'm assuming, probably the, the most pain in the butt um, or could be. Yeah, and, and that's why some shops don't take deboned meat. It is, like, logistically, it is difficult to deal with. It takes up a lot of space. Um, it's typically dirtier if it's deboned. Um, and that's just kind of a, a general theme, not with everyone, right? But, um, but we'll do it. I mean, no skin off our teeth, right? Like, we're here to cut. doesn't matter what we cut, we'll, we'll cut it. The, the one thing we did, you, you did touch on a little bit, but we, we didn't go into great depth, the tarp for deboned. I don't bring one anymore because I've gotten kind of handy with laying it out and whatever, but the, the tarp, um, a, one of those emergency blankets, those things are oh, that's cheap. Perfect. Those work, yeah, those I never awesome. even thought of that. Yeah. sole, I think that's what I was going to, you don't need to bring a 12 by 12 blue tarp and no. pack it in. No. Um, Soul, right? Isn't that the company that makes those emergency There's blankets? There's a, a million of them. I don't yeah. know. You can get a Coleman one probably. Yeah. yeah. Like, couple bucks yeah they're, throw, they're throw them away if you want to whatever. somewhere between six and 16 ounces well i'm thinking about it now it's an emergency blanket in the sun with meat on it <laughs> <laughs> you know you fry your back straps on that thing if you're not careful yeah no no kidding <laughs> i i think like uh i know guys that are real hardcore backpack hunters that they actually use a cuban fiber uh tarp um which is crazy because cuban fiber as we know is 49 dollars a yard right it's, it's crazy what I do encourage people to, to do and use is Tyvek. It's cheap. You can generally borrow it from your buddy that stole it from a job site. But you can use Tyvek. I just set it on the bottom of my pack. I never know it's there. And it doesn't, uh, I would say a three by six foot piece of Tyvek will probably get you done for, what does it come, three or four foot wide? I think it's four foot. I think it's four foot wide. So four by six foot, plenty of room to work, uh, you know, rock out each corner, meaning, you know, so it doesn't blow away. And Tyvek is basically the cheapest option you could possibly get. So that will make your meat better in Lucas's life a lot easier. Um, the last thing, you burn off the hair, correct? You torch it? We do. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming with rocks and moss and whatever else, you just hose her off. And then with hair, I've never known anything that any different. You just take a torch and, and burn it off. Yeah. So typically kind of what we'll do our intake process, right? Uh, we'll get the animal in whatever way, shape or form it is. Um, and we'll hang it up, um, on a hook and we'll get a big, it's a, like a five gallon propane tank hooked up to like a weed torch. Um, and we'll just real quick, turn that on, give it a quick spritz. Um, and that'll kind of zap the hair off. Um, of the meat and then we'll get the power washer and go to town on it a little bit that usually does the rest of the job gotcha okay cool cool um well i guess uh before we move on to kind of the next couple questions or subjects i had for you uh for for anybody uh you know not local here where they can um you know obviously bring your meat into the meat cleaver or talk with lucas um not a bad idea i would say call a few of your local uh, butchers, um, kind of like calling, uh, you know, a packer, whoever, a guide, an outfitter, whatever, kind of get to, to know them. Look at builder. I would say building a rapport with them is a good idea. See which one you like, which, um, uh, you know, put not just personalities, but also how they do it. Do they take, you know, if you're a backpack hunter, pretty important. They take deboned meat. Yeah. Make sure ahead of time. Cause, uh, I have had a few guys call me that are out of state that, um, drove to a processor for satin line for 45 minutes to find out they wouldn't take deboned meat. 
So just make a few phone calls and, and kind of confirm that. So um, next couple of questions you had brought up to me um, before you're wanting to get more and more into, you know, helping out in the different like conservation organizations, things like that. Um, knowing the more and more I talk to you, obviously, your, your heart is in this not just to make money. Uh, it's to kind of make a difference or, or help as much as you possibly can. What, what were you kind of thinking on those? Because I honestly wasn't much of a help because I'm way too busy and uh, didn't didn't really probably give it the time I, I needed to. Um, what do, what do you what's your kind of end goal with that? What do you want to do? Well, I just I think to myself, right? Hey, um, we're a wild game processor, right? Like um, we're in the hunting industry. We're dealing with physical hunting product that guys are bringing in. We engage a ton of customers uh, who are hunters, right? We're, we're engaging the hunting public. If, if there's not some opportunity to pour back into landscape, wildlife, and the hunting community, man, I'm just like, I'm missing out, you know, seriously. Um, if, if the meat cleaver can't be an asset for wildlife resources um, and wild land resources, I feel like I'm really doing... Um, myself a disservice right like that's those are the things i love right and i'm always looking for opportunities to pour back into that right we've we've done some um fun stuff with the colorado bow hunters association um the great group of guys over there um and yeah i mean you know even going along things like cwd right um, a lot of denver guys hunting in kansas um every late season you know, if we can't get guys to make sure to lop their their heads off and not take final column over state borders, yeah, it's like spinal, man. yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like, man, like a huge and very practical way to help wildlife resources. You know, um, and I wish I had a little more engagement with CPW. Um, I know, like, uh, well, they're, they're the officer for kind of our district in Denver. He retired or moved or something. We're kind of waiting on a new guy, um, but uh, historically a great working relationship with them and um, always fun to bounce ideas off them too. Gotcha. Well, so for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or whoever's listening in, um, uh, you know, if you want to maybe partner up or give Lucas some different ideas, ways he can help out or whatever, uh, do you, you want to give out the maybe the Meat Cleaver phone number where they could contact you or an email address or something? Um, you know, maybe get to get things going. Yeah, shoot things to uh, Lucas at meatcleaverco.com, L U C A S at M E A T C L E A V E R C O.com, meatcleaverco.com. Gotcha. That's probably the best way to get in touch. Cool. And then would you be, um, I was kind of thinking about this talking with Scotty from some of the shit shows we've seen with people breaking down animals. If I shot a couple of dad, gutted them, um, and even with with our dad, um, I know this is going to turn people over in their grave, but for the greater good, um, we have some giant freezers. It wouldn't probably be a horrible idea to have a class. Um, and it, with an our dad being an invasive species, they don't really give a shit about them. Um, it wouldn't bother me to shoot a couple ewes and just freeze the whole things, um, throw them in a 210 Yeti and bring it back and maybe setting up a class. To, to break one down. I'd, um, I'd love that, right? Yeah. What do you think? Awesome. And video it. Yeah, there so that's kind of what I was thinking to where, you know, obviously we're, we're not in it for the money. We're not going to charge anyone, um, uh, you know, for the video or whatever, but would be maybe bring two or three up and really, uh, especially because there'd probably be a lot of people that would come have, you know, Frank, you could do one. I would do another. Lucas, you'd do another. However we do it, go over um, maybe one class being totally gutless. The next one, skinning it, uh, you know, gutting it, the whole nine, the best way to do that. Uh, and then all three of them, breaking them down uh, meat group by meat or muscle group by muscle group. Um, you think three would be enough? I think that'd be perfect. And, you know, with that, yeah, I think that'd be great because you could even kind of tackle um, each odd ad in a different way, right? Uh, just like you said, the, the field prep side of it, totally, um, but also the meat cutting side of it. Um, you want to cut something hip like a tomahawk steak or a odd T-bone? I'll right, gladly like, donate give it to, a whirl. to anybody that wants it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. may, let's, let's maybe plan on that. And then, you know, our busy season is January, February, March. And there's a lot of guys that just want, if it's um, a ram and don't want the meat, 
Um, yep. I tape it, cut the head off, and maybe I just bring you know a gutted full body in, like you would prefer to, you yeah. know, to break them down. I, I think that um, the the more info we can get out on meat care and, and things like that, the, the better, because I the, the one thing that I do get super irritated at is people wasting meat and letting it go bad. And we also could go over even, like we were talking about dry ice, the cooler, or whatever else. I'm, I'm amazed that guys just wedge meat in a cooler and throw ice on top. Yeah, and it's like how, how to pack a cooler 101. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and, and I get it. You know, it's, it's, I've done it for a while. Frank's done it for a while. It's your job. But, but truly, um, you know, you're, 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 you're going to be eating that shit, so you want it to taste as good as you can. Um, so that's something I think we could probably, even maybe the ones we think is Frank and Tomas and uh, Taylor and uh, Luke are coming down. So that means three out of four will probably kill one. Um, <laughs> Who's the one? Sorry, Luke. Um, ah, yeah, there you go. Bring those back maybe and we could, we could do that. Uh, I might have to gut them um, or maybe just one of them um, I'll freeze with the guts in so we can go over how to gut it. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be that'd be good. And and our dad's a little different. They're bigger up in the chest, but it's a four legged animal. They're all kind of the same. So uh, maybe do that. And then um, you, you know, with the different organizations and groups, definitely get a hold of Lucas. Uh, you've bugged me about that for a while. I haven't been the greatest of uh, of help, but um, a, a meat processor that's wanting to take a larger part, other than making money from processing meat, says a lot about you know you and your your company because uh, there's just not that many out there doing that so you know good on you for for wanting to take a, a, a bigger step forward so yeah no problem so you want to give everybody kind of your address um uh you know you already went over the pricing everything where you're at the hours of operation that kind of stuff yeah we're uh kind of just west of downtown denver uh we're at 5334 tennyson street 80212 uh right now we're open from eight to five seven days a week we're probably going to bump that to eight to six come rifle season here um and yeah, 303-458-7563. Um, that's the shop phone. It zaps to all of our cell phones, which is probably the worst decision I've ever made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, funny. I called when I was coming back just to say, hey, dude, uh, I was like, you didn't answer. Um, what's the, the big dude with tattoos? What's his uh, name? Nick. Nick. I think Nick answered. I was like, hey, man, uh, I got quite a bit of meat I'm coming up with. And he was like, oh, cool. Come on in. And I was like, no, man, uh, it's a lot. And he's like, no, that's fine. And I was like, it's like 700 pounds. And he was like, oh, time are you going to be here? And I was like, <laughs> I think two, you know, and super cool. I mean, no, yeah. it wasn't like the, oh, God, geez. You know, it was like, all right, man, bring it in. Hell yeah. And it, again, that atmosphere is, is nice, um, especially, again, the, the rite of passage, you know, the first animal you ever take, the last yeah. thing you want is be on the highest of highs, and then your, your butcher be a dick. So totally. you guys have been pretty awesome. Frank, got anything to add? I don't. I'm excited to for the video and the class. Well, you haven't been by the shop yet, have you? I haven't been by in a, in a little while. I went there. I think it's been a couple of years. Okay, not since. You yeah. Well, there you go, Frank. You you would you would urge people to really play and work with their meat. <laughs> meat care is important. Oh Lord! Oh, Don't gosh. stuff your own sausage. Yeah, the, the HR department at the meat cleaver is <laughs> is pretty lax about meat jokes. Oh, I bet. Oh, good Lord. Well, Lucas, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for everything you do. Uh, you know, for obviously all the hunters out there and, and the steps you're taking, to obviously even make a bigger difference. So we really appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Always a joy to see you guys, and we'll see you when we got an antelope for you in the freezer right now. I think. Yeah, and I'm about whitetail fit season's about to start. So you don't get all of those. There's a processor down where we're at, but I usually bring in eight or nine, um, yeah. you know, to yeah. you. Um, that processor down there is a lot like you guys where we're at in, in Texas. Um, and uh, same kind of thing, you know, he's, it's his job, right? He, yeah. he never complains. I have brought a pile of deer in before and he's like, Jesus, can you quarter this up? Maybe like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. Uh, good natured guy and that's what you want and that's yeah. what you guys offer so again we appreciate it and we appreciate you guys seriously alright everybody take it easy and uh, good luck this season don't let your meat loaf don't let your meat loaf